Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and here with me today is Tom Hale, the CEO of wellness tech company, Aura, and Karina Kogan, the company's CMO. Hi, Tom. Hi, Priya. Thanks uh, for having us, and hi to all you Glossy listeners out there. Hi, Karina. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, and hello to your listeners as well. Tom and Karina, both of you are relatively new to the company. Tom, you were appointed CEO, I believe, in April. And Karina, you're the first ever marketing officer um, as of late last year. Tell me a little bit about where you guys both were before. Tom, you want to start? Yeah, sure. I I was at a software company uh, called Momentive. Uh, We made surveys. Uh, You might have heard of SurveyMonkey. That was one of our products. And I, I come from a software background, but decided that I really wanted to go and do some good for the world. So I wanted to join a health and wellness company. And what about you, Karina? Yeah, prior to Aura, I was at Peloton, where I ran um, product marketing, advertising, lifecycle, growth. So uh, all the go-to-market for Peloton's hardware and subscription services. So I think Aura, you know, in the fitness tracker, uh, wellness tracker space, is sits in a class of its own. How would you guys both describe the rings? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there on the market. Well, I mean, the first thing is it's an engineering marvel. If you've ever seen one, it's a you know about four grams, which is like two pieces of paper. So it fits on your body and you feel like you're not wearing anything. I mean, it's lighter than most wedding rings. Um, and what's amazing about it is that it's with you 24-7 and it's tracking continuously all of your metrics around your health. But most importantly, your sleep. And we started in sleep, and that's really where the the anchor tenant of the aura value proposition is, is in helping you get better sleep. Do you think that the fact that sleep is the core component of of the ring kind of set you apart from, say, you know, the Apple Watch or Garmin's running watch or any of these other kind of fitness wellness trackers on the market? Yeah, I I think one, uh, most fitness wellness trackers are oriented around like get more activity and, you know, get going and get out there. And we're like, hey, relax and recover. Make sure that you're well rested. Uh, one one good example of that is is the, uh, you know, the the app that is a companion to the ring will actually warn you when you're getting sick and say, hey, do you want to go into rest mode and take it easy? And it cancels all of your activity metrics. It's a very different approach that we've taken. Uh, certainly the advantage of, of tracking uh, overnight with sleep means actually you get a really, really good baseline for your personal health metrics, whether it's heart rate, heart rate variability, the quality of your sleep. All those things are measured in a really great way because overnight you're asleep and you're not moving and your temperature isn't being elevated and your heart rate is being elevated. So you get a really good sense of your baseline. And that's really important because a lot of what we're detecting about your health is deviations from that baseline, which is just different from tracking steps or activities or rings. And honestly, I think it's been a huge advantage for us because it occupies a a position that very few wearables have, uh, which is really being strong in sleep. And maybe even more importantly, the form factor itself, not only is it more accurate, but it's something that you would wear to bed. You think about when you go to bed, you're taking everything off. Well, you don't take your ring off. You get in bed, it tracks you. You don't even have to think about it. With a seven-day battery life, you're not worrying about, do I have enough charge or do I need to put it on the charger at night? Where most of, I think, the wearables that people are used to, um, you know, that's where they spend their nights, on the charger. Karina, from a marketing perspective, you know, this is very different than other trackers on the market or what people are used to, you know, tracking their steps or their fitness levels. What did you, what did that say to you? You know, what did that, what did you want to communicate to consumers or potential consumers? Yeah. I mean, as a marketer, one of the 
one of your other jobs is sort of being a cultural anthropologist. And one of the things that I think is so special about Aura, and it touches on what Tom just said, is in general, there is now a movement in, in, in culture, in consumer, a, a move away from sick care to self-care, from sick care to preventative care. And historically, when you think about, you know, how we talked about, for example, trackers, as you noted, you think about, or, you, you know, you think about tracking anything in your health. People tended to count calories and count steps. It was all about weight loss. Now consumers thinking are thinking about longevity. They're thinking about their immunity. They're thinking about how can I live longer? How can I avoid getting sick? How can I feel better every day? How could I optimize my performance in every aspect of my life, right? It's, it's a much broader kind of way of thinking about health and wellness. That's much less about either losing weight or when I get sick, I'm going to go to the doctor and get some medicine. And I think that's what consumers really want. They want more empowerment. They want, want control over their health. They want to know what they can do every day, the little things they can do and the habits that they can form to help them live better lives. And I think that's the consumer opportunity. That's the opportunity. That's the white space that I think Aura has stepped in and done a phenomenal job in sort of helping consumers kind of engage in this sort of different relationship with their bodies and with their health outcomes. So do you find your consumers are forgetting or kind of overlooking some of those traditional tracking capabilities like steps or exercise, which Aura also tracks? No, I think they're looking at them as well. I think it's all, it's a, it's a, it's a broadening the definition of health, right? So it's not just about how many steps you took and how many calories you burned. It's also about how well you slept, how much time you spent in REM or deep sleep, kind of how, how, how much stress you're undergoing, whether it's physical stress or emotional stress. It's about tuning into other aspects, other biometrics or biomarkers. And so, you know, I think consumers are very comfortable with metrics and, and, and there's a certain gamification, right? To scores and aura gives you three, three daily scores. Um, your readiness, your sleep score, and your activity. And those help guide you. But I think what I'm saying is more that the, the, the range of metrics that consumers are looking at are expanding. The, 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 the things that consumers want to optimize in their life goes beyond fitness and weight loss now, right? I, and I think COVID accelerated that because we were all sort of forced to grapple with, you know, just immunity, for example, as a concept. Now you're not thinking about, well, am I losing weight in lockdown? <laughs> am I, you know, uh, you know, how much am I working out in my house? You know, I mean, although obviously we sold a lot of Peloton when I was there, but you are also thinking a lot about how do I not get sick? How do I, what are, what are the, you know, we started talking about comorbidities, right? And pre-existing conditions. We started to sort of have a broader definition and, and a much deeper relationship with the definition of health. And that's, that's what I'm saying is that Aura, yes, of course, can help you understand all the other metrics that you used to track, but it's so much more. And I think sleep is a big component of what I think has historically been missing and where we really stepped in first and, and with a lot of capabilities. I mean, think about sleep, though. I mean, sleep is like this universal good, right? Sleep makes you perform better. It makes you, you know, eat less. It makes you healthier. It has long-term implications for diseases like, you know, Parkinson's disease or Alzheimer's or 
type 2 diabetes. These are all things that are implicated by sleep. And the American Health Association just recently said, hey, sleep is one of the eight factors, uh, you know, in addition to the other seven, that determines your cardiovascular outcomes in the long term. Sleep is like this universal good. And we should all be getting not just more sleep, but better quality sleep. And that's really what Aura unlocks for you is to understand really something that you do every day, well, I guess that's every night, really, something that you do every night and that has a huge impact on not just your health, but like your mood and your behavior and how you're you know, able to deal with the vicissitudes of change of life, you know, like all these things that are coming at us. If you're well rested, you're, you're going to do better at it. And the truth is, it's also huge for beauty, right? I mean, sleep is one of these huge factors that helps you look healthy and feel healthy and look better and feel better. And I think it's it's really like, Almost like wearables 1.0 was like, are you getting your steps in? And then, you know, kind of reminding you, maybe even nagging you to get your steps in. And we're kind of like, hey, are you getting enough sleep? Are you taking care of yourself? And it's just a very different relationship that people have with Aura than they have with their typical wearable. It's interesting that you say all this because, of course, during COVID, there was this come to Jesus, if you will, around self-care and what it really means. And um, is it, you know, just masking or is it really taking care of yourself and taking care of one's health? And I'm wondering, you know, if that relationship, you know, the wellness relationship, the beauty relationship has really superpowered Aura, you know, being able to say that I am taking care of myself in this way. Are you finding that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Karina, you were here for more of the the uh, COVID times, but I would say absolutely COVID kind of knocked the ball off of everyone's I don't know, feeling of um, being that their health is something that's not fragile. COVID taught everybody of every age, of every stripe, that their health was not something they could take for granted. And then, in fact, if they weren't, you know, if they were cavalier about it, they could kill them. And usually that happens to people later in life. And that's, you know, generally when people start paying attention to their health when they've had their first health crisis. I would say that everybody on the planet had a big wake up call around health during COVID. And, and depending on how they responded, that changed their behavior in a lot of different ways. For some people, it was like, hey, I'm gonna work out more. For some people, it's like, I'm gonna take care of myself. And other people, it's like, I've got a lot of stress going on. I need to find ways to de-stress. And you look at you look at um, wearables like Aura and the things that we can bring to bear to improve your life. And it covers the whole span of, of your experience, whether it's you know trying to be fit, trying to get better sleep, trying to you know take care of your mental health, trying to take care of your, your physiology. So I'd say COVID had a huge impact on us. And the good news is that, honestly, as things get more stressful, it's actually good for us. <laughs> as more people become aware of, of, you know, stress in the world, whether it's, you know, a war or a stock market or anything else, I think everyone's sleep gets a little bit shorter and they're a little bit more focused on getting better sleep or more sleep. Tell me a little bit about the design, because I would argue, you know, because it is discreet and it is very fashion forward, people do want to wear it. It's not this clunky gadget that you, that's attached to you. Yeah, I think the design of the Aura Ring is so advantageous. As Tom noted earlier, first of all, there's advantages to the form factor and where on your body it sits. The location, for example, on your finger makes it a more accurate placement for, for reading um, your biometrics. But then from a design perspective, the fact that it is extremely light, extremely seamless, extremely beautiful, and extremely comfortable, a lot of extremes, but make it something that you put on your body and you can forget about. You know, our battery lasts up to seven days. So you can wear it like, like an engagement ring, right? Or a wedding band. You can wear it on your finger 24 seven. It looks great. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to worry if you're wearing 
a lovely dress out to go, you know, to go out, you know, it doesn't look like a sports item, right? Like a, like a, it doesn't have a silicone, you know, wristband or anything like that. It, it can transition as you transition from, from different, you know, from different parts of your life, you know, from work to evening or whatever, or it transitions. And it, and it, people comment on it all the time because it is, you know, gorgeous. It, you know, it's offered in multiple finishes. So there's, you know, you can choose from silver or black gold stealth, which is like a sleeker black. And we're now releasing a rose gold color, which has been in demand for quite some time. So it's a, it's a lovely product. And one of the things that many of our members comment on and that they love that it is that sort of seamless part of your life. So if I'm correct, you guys have sold about a million rings. Is that right? A little bit more now, because we announced that back in, in April. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're edging up on a million and a half. And I'm, you know, what's really striking about this is the fact that the ring is relatively expensive. You know, it starts off at around $299 and goes up. So I'm wondering who your customer is. Like, how are you attracting her or him? And what would you say about, you know, their demographics or psychographics? Because I imagine it is an affluent customer, but maybe it's also a customer who is trading up or hoping to aspire to something different. You know, the the the, the thing I would call out is that wearables uh, and their price points, you know, maybe start at 200 bucks and go all the way up to a thousand bucks. And so I think we're sort of right in that sweet spot for, for wearables. And, uh, you know, if you, if you mark your price against a, a, a fashion rink, right, you, you realize that it's actually quite inexpensive. And if you think about what you're paying, the value that you're getting is your health. And, and quite honestly, it's one of those things where like, you know, your health is priceless, like, what would you pay to, to, to preserve your health or have better health? The reality is, is that, you know, most people, $299 or whatever the price might be, depending on what finish you get, that's a pittance compared to your health. And so uh, we, we, we believe that consumers will pay for value. We deliver value. We deliver it over time and we deliver it in a unique and, and special way. Um, and so the truth is, is that, like, uh, we feel like we're, we're right, in, right in the sweet spot. You would be surprised. Um, we, we, we introduced a, a ring with our partner, Gucci, earlier in the year. And this was quite a success. And, and honestly, I think everyone was a, a little surprised because the Gucci ring is priced at $1,000. And, and we sold a year's inventory in six weeks. Right. And, and so I don't I don't really feel like, you know, we're at the beginning of this market. People see the value. People understand it. I, I don't feel like we're, we're at all a, a premium product. And if you look at our customers and Karina, I'll, I'll invite you to, to, to sort of go through the span of customers. But if you look at our customers, you know, they range from young women who are you know wanting to, to, to work on their wellness or track their reproductive health or, or predict their cycle um, up to you know 50 60 70 year old people who are trying to manage their sleep and overall health to you know young parents who are trying to get back on the fitness track after having had kids and having you know recovered from uh, you know the, the childbearing process and want to get back in shape so we, we cover a wide range of, of, of customers and consumers and and, and offer a, a wide range of price points to allow anyone to participate in improving their health, which is a tremendous value. You know, Tom, something that a lot of tech companies say is that, you know, once we reach a kind of critical mass, we're able to drop prices. Do you imagine that happening with Aura? Well, gosh, you know, the, the truth is, is that um, I don't think we know um, which way this goes. I, I think, you know, our customers who they check their scores every day and they live and, you know, plan their day 
by aura or, or their wife's aura. You know, they, they might see if they have a, a, a wife that who's having a tough day that maybe they'll make dinner that night. You know, I mean, that's certainly an experience I've had. Um, I just don't know that that's something that, that, that we can see into the future about. Uh, certainly, I think it becomes important to, if we think this is a benefit that helps everybody on the planet live a better life. I mean, I think we're motivated and incented to try and get it on as many people as possible. I, I think in some sense that might steer us down the path of being subsidized by, you know, insurance or maybe even prescribed by doctors. That's a future state, of course. But I think we imagine a world where or is like your 24-7 health buddy and, you know, your medical support group or your insurer or your employer are, are helping you, you know, uh, gain access to that and manage your sleep and your fatigue and your health over the long term. And, and I think we definitely have an ambition to see everybody on the planet feeling and, and doing better. And we want to meet them where they are. So, um, you know, do we have any announcements on that front? No. <laughs> but when we when we do, you'll know. Talk to me a little bit about that Gucci collaboration. Do you imagine doing more of these? And what makes an ideal partner for you? Karina, why don't you, why don't you take a swing at that one? Yeah, I mean, the Gucci collaboration was obviously a dream for our marketing team, and I'm sure a dream for, for our designers. And um, But um, I, I hope we do more of them. I think the, 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 the thing about the Gucci, something like the Gucci collaboration is it's actually incredibly hard, right? We can't just spin up you know, <laughs> 50 different versions of our, of our ring, you know, at, at whim. And so I think it is very much about picking brands with whom it makes sense for us to collaborate. Um, I think it makes sense to think about the, how we go to market together and what story we tell. And, you know, the case in the case of Gucci, it gave us an opportunity to talk to very sort of fashion forward luxury consumers, maybe a consumer we weren't talking to in our everyday marketing mix. And so it gave, a, it gave us access to a new consumer through a new channel, because also in the case of Gucci, not only did we sell through Gucci.com, but through retail. And so consumers were able to walk into a store and physically experience the product in a new way. So I think what you look for in those collaborations is, am I talking to a new audience? Am I providing a new way to experience my product, right? Um, am I reaching new markets? In the case of Gucci, it was, it was global distribution. So we also had the benefit of other ways in into new markets. And, and is this, is this a brand with whom I want to play, right? Um, that's complementary to, to my brand. So I think there's a lot of criteria that we would um, look for. The other thing we look for is, by the way, you know, in the case of Gucci, the collaboration was on the design front. Um, but we've also collaborated. We've worked with Strava on a two-way integration that allows you to access the Strava members to access their data, both their Strava data and the Aura app and their Aura data in the Strava app. We, you know, recently announced a partnership also with Natural Cycles. So there's a lot of ways that we look at partnering with companies that allow us to not only expand our reach, but also maybe even, um, you know, expand our capabilities. Going back to Gucci for a second, you know, you have so many fashionable celebrity associations as well as influencer relationships and sports athletes. I mean, you name it, the who's who is wearing this ring. I mean, how did you kind of connect those dots? I imagine there was some gifting. I imagine there is some, you know, just relationship building, but I mean, they're honestly today's probably biggest billboard. Would you say that Karina? Um, I don't know if they're the biggest billboard. They're certainly important. Um, especially among younger consumers, you know, for example, Gen Z, you know, self-reports that they make purchase decisions based on what they see in social media. 
Um, that said, um, you know, what gets you the kind of appreciation, love, shareability, conversation that we've benefited from is having a good product, is having a product that, that these celebrities actually use, love, and wear. Nobody, no celebrities posting about stuff if they don't actually like the product, right? And so, yes, we've done some gifting and we even have some, you know, some paid ambassadors who, who we love. But the key for us is really, does this person authentically use and like this product? Am I adding value to their lives in the same way that I might be adding value to any member's life? That is the, that's the filter. That's the criteria. If you have a good product, everything else will follow, right? So that's the starting point for us. Well, unless it's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I just I was going to add, we're science-led and, and technology and product-led, and we're constantly investing. Um, I mean, just over the course of this year, uh, you know, we've introduced several, you know, really huge marquee physiology-based features, you know, whether it's the ability to detect and monitor overnight blood oxygenation, which is, you know, SpO2. Everyone knows about the pulse oximeter they put on their finger to measure, you know, how's your how's your pulse ox? Well, we do that continuously overnight. Or your workout heart rate, which basically works like a chest strap, you know, it tracks your heart rate as you're working out and gives you a sense of, you know, how hard you're working out. Um, to, you know, a feature we're, we're just on the brink of introducing, but we've, we've announced, which is called the new sleep staging algorithm, which refines our accuracy to be, you know, as close to a polysomnography device, which is effectively a sleep lab, but, you know, you do it at home, not in a hospital setting with a bunch of electrodes taped to your face. You do it in your own bed with your own, with your, you know, a ring and in, in the environment that you want to understand for your sleep. So we're constantly investing uh, with with science to, to to break new ground, but also with product and technology to deliver new capabilities, and I, I think that's really key. Uh, the the pace of, of innovation for us is you know it's breakneck, and so we're constantly trying to over deliver for our customers by giving them you know incredible technology and incredible access and in this really really beautiful form factor. That's a great segue, Tom, because you know you guys have raised a fair amount of funding. I think it was 148 million as of last year. Would you say that th- that capital is really de- being deployed for investment in science, investment in funding? I know you're doing some work on women's research. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so we we start by by focusing on on kind of at scale research. So a perfect example of that is um, during the, the sort of height of COVID. Uh, we worked on something um, called the Temp Predict study, where 30,000 people sort of shared their data from the Aura Ring and allowed us to look at the biometrics that might be predictive of COVID. And we did this in partnership with UCSF. And what they looked at was when someone got a COVID diagnosis, could you actually see the signals that were going to tell you that they were going to have COVID? Uh, amazing. You know, we were able to, to demonstrate that up to three days before a positive COVID test, you could see that, that these, these signals in their body were changing. And that's a, that's a really powerful science-based insight. Another one is there's a part of, of kind of the health landscape that's really underinvested, and that's the, that's the landscape of women's health. Um, you know, it might be shocking to, for some to hear, but the reality is, is that most of the medicine that's practiced today is based on science that was, you know, done decades ago, mostly with white men. And so we've we've really invested behind understanding how do your biometrics change during um, during the course of your cycle? 
How do your biometrics change over the course of a pregnancy? We've got a, a, a partnership with Inception. Uh, there's something called the Bump Study, which is looking at pregnancies and trying to understand how your body changes over the course of a pregnancy so that we can make better care decisions or better inferences about what's going on with your body based on the signals that your body's throwing off. So that science-led investment is really key because what we're trying to do is break new ground. And if we break new ground, then I'm certain that we'll be able to use this this you know data that's really coming off of you. It's your personal data and make better predictions for you. At the same time, you know, we're invested in um, you know kind of software and technology and hardware for the benefit of our members. More than half of our staff is invested in trying to improve and building new features and building new capabilities. So it's a major point of investment for us. So as we think about spending money, we're spending money on behalf of our customers and in the name of improving their health. And as Karina so eloquently put it, uh, you know, going from kind of uh, sick care to, to self-care. And, and I think that that's a really interesting place for us to invest. And, and if we continue to deliver for our members, I think we'll find that between the knowledge that we give them, the data that we give them, the insights that we build, the better habits that we foster and the medical outcomes that we can drive, I think, you know, we're going to find that, that uh, we're in a really interesting place. Do you imagine raising more capital this year? Certainly not this year, but uh, you know we we're we're doing uh, we're doing just fine in terms of our, our capital and runway, and um, you know we're continuing to introduce new product. In fact, we're introducing a new product right now called the Horizon Ring. It's just coming out. Um, it's a really beautiful ring. It's it's perfectly round. It looks like a wedding band. Um, you know, it it it, um, it it slips onto your body seamlessly. You know, no one would know that you're wearing a piece of cutting edge technology um, with the Horizon Ring. And, and uh, you know, if anybody wants to check it out, go to AuraRing.com and you'll see some beautiful, beautiful artwork um, uh, and some beautiful pictures of this new design. It's really outstanding. Tell me a little bit about the change in design there, because you're right. It does look like a wedding ring. It's even more subtle or discreet than the original Aura Ring. Do you imagine having both in the assortment long term? Are you kind of switching to the Horizon format? You know, what's interesting is we learned something when we introduced the uh, the Gucci ring earlier this year. Um, and as I said, it was around $1,000. What we learned was that people really value the uh, the fashion element of, of the ring. It's a piece of jewelry. It's a piece of amazing engineering and technology, but it's a piece of jewelry. And if you're going to wear it all the time, it's going to fit in with your life. It has to be what you want it to be. And so what we learned was that the you know, for folks who really cared about fashion forward, the Gucci ring was the right choice. And we were amazed by the amount of demand that we saw for that. Um, at, at the other end of the spectrum, there's people who are purely about function, right? They, they just want it to do what it's supposed to do. And they don't really, you know, they're not as, as invested in how it looks. Although I think the heritage ring, which is our entry price point ring, I think it's quite beautiful. It looks like I don't know, a piece of technology that dropped from some future civilization, you know, a thousand light years visiting our planet and they left it behind and someone put it on their ring and realized they could track their health. The middle part of our line is somewhere in between that. It's not pure fashion. It's not pure function. It's right in the middle and it's the horizon ring. And what we learned from our consumers was that the the value of having something that looked like a piece, you know, like a seamlessly integrated part of your outfit whether you know all the rest of your jewelry is rose gold, and so you wanted a rose gold ring, or whether you wanted to be just you know invisible, like most men wanted to look like a wedding ring, so that no one knows that they're wearing some piece of technology, 
or a ring, uh, it just it just fits right in their life. We learned that consumers are willing and and have a strong desire uh, for something that that falls somewhere along that spectrum. And some people fall in one direction, some people fall in the other way. We think the Horizon Ring, with its uh, colorways and its very understated, timeless, simple design, it's going to be huge. And about once a week, we get an email from someone saying, "Yeah, you know, I wear my Aura Ring as a wedding band." So as we think about this post-COVID kind of moment where a lot of people are deciding now have in-person ceremonies, we expect to see a lot of, uh, of, of Horizon rings sold uh, and used by couples who want to make that, that long-time commitment, not just to them, to each other, but also to themselves and to their health. That's such a good marketing copy right there, Tom. I think you've got your campaign set. <laughs> you should talk to, you know, Karina's got that all squared away. Don't, don't talk to me about marketing. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not good at it. Tell me a little bit about you know, keeping users engaged and keeping customers engaged. Because I know in beauty, for instance, you know, there's a million devices on the market, new face, zip. And one thing that brands always talk about is, you know, you buy this, you use it for a while, and then you throw it in a drawer. How do you think that Aura is bucking that trend? You know, yes, you can wear it on your finger for seven days and the battery life is there. But what about on the seventh day when you run out of battery and you throw it in the drawer and you may forget about it? How are you guys kind of thinking about keeping people active with your community. Priya, you never throw it in a drawer. You never throw it in a drawer. Never throw this in the drawer. You put it on the charger while you take a shower, you get out of the shower, it's done charging, you put it back on. I'm just, I'm, I'm half joking. It, it's a quick charge. <laughs> it's a quick charge. I mean, I think that that's, again, I, I think we're, we have some advantages over the other wearables in that we don't have to power a, a, a battery heavy screen. We're not constantly vibrating to alert you to some, you know, I don't know, Twitter post or LinkedIn post that mentions something you're interested in, you know, we're calm tech. And so as a result, we actually consume less battery as a result and, and carry less less draw on that battery. And so we charge up in, in a matter of minutes. Uh, it really is very seamlessly integrated into your life. And there, here's here's how I think about the engagement. If, if, if when we talk to our members, what they say is every morning I wake out of, wake up and if I'm trying to get pregnant, I want to know what my temperature is. And if I've got a big meeting that day, I want to know what my readiness score is. And if I feel like maybe, you know, I didn't sleep well, I want to understand what it is about my sleep that didn't sleep well. And if I'm preparing for a, you know, a, a big race or a big workout, I want to know how, how my body's going to react to that. And that it's that morning moment. And we see this because what we see is, is across, you know, 99% of our customers are opening the app and looking at it to say, what is my day going to be? And it's across a wide range of use cases. It's not just, am I, you know, at the gym and I want to track my workout? It's like, how is my life going to go today? And they look at their readiness score, they look at their sleep score, and they get ready for the day. And, and that morning moment is so critical because people realize that, that that's something that they can use to make decisions about their day. Uh, you know, should I, should I push it? Am I ready for this presentation? Should I take it easy? Should I cancel the meeting before the big presentation? Maybe I should. Like it gives you a signal that's based on your body and it understands your baselines. Then people go on sort of these journeys and I'll give you an example. I, I don't know. Do you meditate, Priya? Are you a meditator? I do. I'm working okay. on it to be be better at it. So so I, I never was a meditator. My wife was always after me to meditate more. She was like, look, 3,000 years of human civilization would suggest that you might want to consider this. And I'm like, no, I don't have the time. One of the things that the app does is, is if you do a meditation, it tracks your biometrics. 
And at the end of your meditation, what you might see is that if it was successful, that your heart rate is down by five beats per minute and that your heart rate variability, which is effectively a measure of the tension between the two sides of your nervous system, the activation kind of part of your nervous system and the part of your nervous system that regulates kind of the, the activity of your body, the parasympathetic. And that our HRV measures that tension. And you might see that your temperature rises over the course of that, which is again, a signal of relaxation because your blood vessels have dilated, bringing blood closer to the skin. And I will tell you something. I did it once and what I saw convinced me that I should meditate more often because the data, the signals coming off of my body, my body, not some average body, my body says, this is good for you and you should do it. So you start to build a healthy habit. One of the classic stories of, of someone's health journey is they think they're you know, helping their sleep by having a glass of wine Friday after a stressful week. Turns out that's ruining their sleep. It's terrible for them. It destroys your REM sleep, which is what your brain needs to recover. And so what you see is people start to change their behavior and they start to see that the app is there to support them and that the ring is there to support them. And that's the best kind of engagement that money can't even buy. Because what you're saying is it's personal to you. It's changing your behavior. It's making your life better. And that is incredibly, incredibly valuable and incredibly, incredibly engaging. But Tom, of course, you have to future-proof your business and you have to think about how to keep people engaged when, you know, in one to two to three years. And I know you have a membership model. So, you know, what are you thinking about, you know, in terms of when people maybe get tired of opening the app every morning or you see that they're opening the app maybe a little less than usual? You know, what's interesting is that, one, we, we don't actually see that. And here's my theory on it. My theory is that continuous data collection becomes more valuable over time because your health condition is not static. Right. Your, the degree of stress you're experiencing, the quality of your sleep, the amount of time you have to devote to self-care, the amount of energy that you have to devote to self-care, constantly changing. And so that constant change and continuous data tracking creates like these eddies of, of engagement. Right. Where you're like, OK, you know what? I'm really going to work on something and I'm going to use the data coming off of my body to help me work on that. I'm going to optimize something. I'm going to optimize my sleep. I'm going to optimize my health. I'm going to optimize my performance. I'm going to try to avoid getting sick. I'm going to you know, recover from being sick. I'm going to recover from a surgery. The constant changes, which we would you know, see in your data as deviations from a baseline, are really, really what keep people engaged. Like, the perfect example is actually women's health. We can predict using your temperature, your body temperature, the state of, of where you are in your cycle. And we can make incredibly accurate predictions about when you're next going to go, you know, through your LH surge and you're going to go, you know, you're going to be fertile. And you're, we can do all this based on the back of you, not some calendar assessment of 28 days, but actually the changes in your body. That's incredibly engaging. And the reality is, I think we have not yet even begun to scratch the surface in understanding not just like, well, what does it mean when these metrics change in a certain way? For example, during pregnancy, what does it mean in the third trimester when XYZ starts to happen, your respiration climbs or your heart rate climbs? What does that mean? We're just starting to learn that. But the reality is, is it's also not just about a population, it's about you. And I'll give you an example. We have, we have a, a our CTO, he's, he's been using Aura for, for many years and he will constantly be like, let me show you something. To this time right here in my life, really stressful. Look at my HRV, it was low. Look at my sleep, it was low. Hey, look at this time. This is when I had kids three years ago. Look what happened to me when I had kids. And the thing is, is our, our bodies are always changing and adapting to our circumstances around us and being able to sort of hear your body signals and see those signals and understand those signals 
in a way that maybe you could because you didn't have data, but with data, it's just much more dimensionalized. It's much more understood and you can take actions to improve it and you can see the results of those actions in your metrics. Wow, that's incredibly, it's a powerful feedback loop for changing behavior and building healthy habits. And I think the thing is, is that again, people come back and they realize, hey, I should do something about my health. It's not a one trick pony. It's a constantly changing and evolving um, you know, evolution of choices and habits that you build as you go through life. You're not the same person, you know, as a young woman when you're 19 as you are when you're 29, when you're 42, when you're 50, when you're 60, your body is constantly changing. And so in some sense, being able to give a voice to your body and to have our algorithms and to have, you know, the power of computing devices looking at your data and helping you, that's incredibly powerful and incredibly engaging. And I, I think over the long term, we're going to be surprised by how, how deep and how engaging continuous data collection is. I think it's wearables 2.0. Continuous data collection is where we're going with this whole thing. So Tom, when you think about growth and obviously riding the waves that we're dealing with right now, whether it's inflation or political instability, you know, what's important for you and for the company for the next 12 to 24 months? Well, look, I think it starts with our members because our mission is to empower every person to, you know, reach their own inner potential. Health is a daily practice. We want to help people practice better and better health. We want to give them better insights, better guidance. We want to give them agency and empowerment. Um, we want to flip the script on the whole healthcare paradigm, right? Instead of going to a doctor when you're sick, we want you to understand what you can do and what you should know about your body and what you can do to, to improve your health outcome. So I think for the next 12 months, as, as you know, quite honestly, as the upset in the markets and all the things that are going on in the world today, COVID, a war, you know, more economic upset, inflation, all the things, honestly, I think our mission is more important than ever. Because I think people are stressed out more than they've ever been. And if we can do, you know, our part to help people both understand where they are and meet them where they are and provide them support for where they are. And if we can help just in a little bit, you know, in a little way, I think that's immensely rewarding. Uh, it's, it's not about some giant outcome. It's about doing good for the, for the people of this planet who are, I think, right now facing some really, really stressful times. And if we can help with that, I think that's really where we want to orient ourselves and orient our employees and orient our investment. Thank you so much, Tom. And thank you so much, Karina. It was great having you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was great talking to you. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.